Hello, fellow medicos, and welcome to the Black Box Warning. I'm your host, Noelle Johnson. As a first-year medical student, I've received a revolving door of questions from friends, family, and peers regarding the medical school application. The application process deserves a Black Box Warning, and here we aim to save your sanity by delving into common questions and pitfalls that occur during the medical application process. To be clear, all statements made in this podcast are based on the opinions and experiences of myself and my guests. These opinions and experiences are not official statements or representative of the medical schools, faculty and staff, or institutions we are a part of and interact with during our medical education. Think you want to go to medical school? Buckle your seatbelts, grab some caffeine, and as always, listen to the Black Box Warning. All right. So thank you for joining us today, Lisa. This is Lisa Jollinger, everyone, my guest and a longtime friend of mine from undergraduate. I have asked her here today to talk about prerequisites. So Lisa, do you mind telling us a bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so Noelle and I went to undergrad together at Case Western Reserve. We studied engineering and I was able to do a lot of weird and interesting things with my time in undergrad. Um, aside from engineering, I also got to study abroad in a health-centered program. I took a year off for a co-op and just graduated and I'm about to start med school. And we will get a little bit more into Lisa's journey to medical school as we talk today. But first, I want to give a little bit of our highlights from the host. So what do I mean by prerequisites? Prerequisites are the classes that are required either to take the MCAT or are required by the school you're applying to. Most of these can be found on the AAMC or the ACOMIS websites. So I highly recommend if you get a chance, check those out and maybe follow along with those as you listen today. We plan to cover in this episode different places to find them, how they can differ from school to school, and overall why they're important. So first, Lisa, tell us a little bit about what prerequisites are. All right. So prerequisites really cover all the material that you need to be ready for medical school. And to that point, they assume that you know these things before you get in. Noel might say that you can revisit them a little bit, um, but they will keep coming up. So you want to make sure that when you do these prerequisites, you're not just checking them off the list. You're actually learning and retaining that information. Yeah, these things do come back. Um, as I've mentioned, I am a first year medical student now. And trust me, you do not want to go straight into your biochemistry blocks, not remembering a little bit of basic chemistry and biology. Not all classes are going to be fun, and that's okay, but you will need to remember a lot of the basic information. And I want to interject. Uh, Noelle would Snapchat me uh, these pictures all the time of different lecture slides and say, you remember this from physiology? Yep, and that was sophomore year, guys. So some of your early classes will come back to bite you if you don't remember at least the basics. So one thing I do recommend, like I mentioned, check out AAMC and the ACOMIS websites. Um, I have actually AAMC pulled up right now, and the basics that they recommend and usually are required, again, check school websites, one year of biology, one year of physics, one year of English, and two years of chemistry. Usually organic chemistry is sadly included. 
I personally have not been a fan of organic chemistry. I love it. So I was very happy that uh, I took both classes and both labs, even though it wasn't strictly required. (laughs) Yeah. And there are a number of tips and tricks you can cover. I highly recommend um, when you talk with your friends who are also applying, try and talk to some older students, especially in your own major and see if they're pre-med, how are they fitting classes in? Are they trying to take some over the summer? What may be the easiest route for you to fit different classes into your schedule and graduate on time? Things like that can be really helpful to make your life just a tiny bit easier. Yeah, and absolutely um, doing engineering. Luckily, I came in with some AP credits, so I had my humanities out of the way, Um, but I still had to fit in all these extra biology, chemistry classes that our classmates weren't taking. So having a couple of upperclassmen who were able to tell me that I needed to do OCHEM over the summer, um, that's what I ended up doing. And it was really helpful to have that extra wiggle room in my schedule. Um, And on the note of classes, I would say, really, don't go over 18 credits if you can avoid it. Um, (laughs) Even if you're double majoring in something, 18 (laughs) is like the max that you can really be productive. And especially keeping in mind, you have to do extracurriculars and shadowing. Um, It's really important to be able to focus on your classes and retain the information that you need. I definitely agree with that. I think summer classes are a great thing to add to your schedule and take course load off during the semester itself. Um, And the 18 credit hours is definitely a fabulous recommendation. I took 18 credit hours my first semester in college. And while I made it through, I did not enjoy it as much as I could have. So if you can try and stay between that 14 to 17 range, It'll give you extra time, like Lisa mentioned, to go to the hospital, get some experience, do volunteering, do research, do other things. Like I mentioned previously, I was a varsity athlete, and all of that time allows you to unwind and de-stress. So make sure you have time for yourself as well as getting ready for your application. Yeah. And while you're taking the prereqs, keep in mind your different study strategies. You might be able to carry some over from high school um, if you're just starting in college or try new study strategies when um, like before you get to the point that you need to start studying for the MCAT and know what works for you so that you can be most efficient when you need to be. So that is a bunch of really great information. Definitely take into account, again, all of our advice is something just to hopefully help you on your journey. Um, You don't have to take it as the golden rule, but keep it in consideration. Next on our list, we're going to talk about why do these prerequisites even exist? Mm. Uh, The first thing that comes to mind is uh, the first semester of physics that I took. Uh, the professor knew that there were a ton of pre-meds in the class. Noel might have been in the same class. And he he said, I don't want a doctor that couldn't even pass basic physics. (laughs) (laughs) So that's definitely not the key point. It's just, you know, a silly anecdote. But really, you do need, um, depending on what field you're going into, all of this stuff will keep coming back. And you definitely need to get a solid basis in the sciences in order to understand the more complex concepts Uh, as it relates to the human body. Yeah, that's a great point. A lot of these classes are important in order for you to keep up with your med school classes. I can say with confidence that the Henderson-Hasselbach equation comes back and will bite you in the butt. Um, Pharmacology is really important for med students to know, at least the basics of, and that is part of the basics. So I think that's really important, as well as you have to take the MCAT. And a lot of this material 
not all of it, but a good portion of it will be covered. So you need a little bit of the basics to keep up with what's going on. Yeah. And in addition, if you're at a research institution or planning to apply to a research institution, uh, it's really helpful to have this background when you're going in and studying something new, reading scientific papers, um, that'll help you know what they're talking about. And if you have time to prepare in that way for the MCAT, it's actually really helpful. Those passages on the MCAT felt to me like I was just reading some new article on a topic that I didn't have necessarily much background in. But based on the scientific principles that we learned, I could pick out the important parts. Yeah. So next on our agenda, do all schools require the same prerequisites? Definitely not. <laughs> so a lot of schools, especially right now, as uh, Psych and Social was just added to the MCAT in 2015, they have Psychology and Sociology 101 as recommended classes. I don't think it's required anywhere yet, but you should absolutely take them if you have room in your schedule to prepare for the MCAT because otherwise you'll be studying that on your own and probably just memorizing some vocab words and trying to get away with it. But other classes like second semester of organic chemistry, not necessarily required, but those concepts will definitely help you with biochemistry, which even comes up later on after your second year of med school when you have to take the step exam. So this stuff never really goes away. You're going to keep using it and uh, you want to make sure that you get as much of a background in that as you can. And the pre-med advisor at our school even recommended some additional classes like genetics as a preparation, even though it's not a prerequisite. Yeah, I think all of that is really important here. Definitely, personally, I do not like biochemistry and I was not a huge fan of chemistry. Um, so when I hit my two weeks, and again, this goes from a semester of biochemistry in college to two weeks that we had at Wake, in biochemistry, it was a crash course. And you have to remember all of that for the step exam once you're a second year. So definitely talk to your pre-med advisors, maybe take it with a grain of salt, but usually if they have advice, it's some pretty good stuff. Oh, and Noel, I'm curious, how about anatomy? Do you feel like if you had the chance to take an extra class in college, it would have helped? I think the rate of med school classes is so different from undergraduate. I don't know if it would have helped for me. I think for some people, it gave them the basics um, from my classmates at Wake, and it's different for each student. So if you want to be able to understand the basics and kind of get into the nitty gritty really quickly, it could be helpful for you. But if you feel like you're going to forget a lot of the material and you already have so much to cover and understand with your major, maybe step back and not take it. Um, as one of the people who may forget something over two or three years, I think it was great for me to not take it early. Um, and it let me really focus on the material when I was in it. So again, it's kind of up to you. Um, talk with some of the upperclassmen at your school and maybe get an idea of who are the A&P faculty. Do they come highly recommended? What is their rate my professor reviews online and see if it could be helpful for you? I think at Wake, I'm also very hands-on. So if I had been in a traditional classroom A&P class, it wouldn't have been as helpful as when we were in lab for eight hours a week. All right, so I'm looking at my four years of college and I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. How can I cover my bases, get my major, and still be pre-med and finish all my requisites? Four-year plan, write up that four-year plan. You gotta make sure that you can take the number of credit hours that you need to graduate and get all of your classes that you need for the MCAT out of the way before you take the MCAT. Leave yourself a little bit of room to study. 
And I've gone over um, a lot of other four-year plans after, you know, I did my own freshman year and constantly revised it. I don't know how many times, at least a dozen, um, based on the new things that I was trying to do. And especially having that four-year plan was super helpful when I was trying to figure out how I could study abroad because I knew exactly what I'd done and which credits I still needed and how I could make that work. But since then, Noelle and I, when we were peer advisors, that was probably the number one thing that I got, people wanting to work on their four-year plans. And unfortunately, I didn't get too many pre-meds. But as, uh, as a mentor for a student group at Case, uh, I helped a few people with their plans being either engineering or another major and trying to do pre-med and fit that in together. So Lisa, we both obviously know what a peer advisor is since we've both done it. But could you <laughs> explain a little bit about what your peer advisor position was? Sure. So the Case School of Engineering started this program a couple years ago. Um, Noelle was in the first class of peer advisors, and I was in the second. It was essentially a way for students to interact with fellow students and see from their perspectives, as the peer advisors had done all of these different things, gotten internships, co-ops, studied abroad, taken all these prerequisite classes, done a lot of electives, so other students could get advice on what they needed to do, say for a job interview or look over their resume together or which classes they should take if you liked a certain professor. So I like to joke we were the token Um, (laughs) pre-meds. So we were able to help anybody, regardless of their engineering major, figure out how to incorporate pre-med classes into our schedules. So I had a number of students, because I'd also been a TA, reach out to me um, as a TA and I said, hey, come to my office hours. But one thing we had as a staple was a four-year plan. If somebody came to us and they didn't have one already, that was the first thing we did. And like I mentioned, I was a varsity athlete. I tried to make it so my fall schedule is a little bit easier. My spring schedule is a little heavier. And if I had a chance to take summer classes here and there, I took two um, between my freshman and sophomore years. And then I took one later on. It definitely smoothed over my life um, so much more. And by the time I was a senior, I actually only took 12 credits my graduating semester. So it definitely is worth your while to make that and try and figure out, especially when you're studying for the MCAT. Most students do study for the MCAT during their junior year at some point. And when exactly is best for that is up to you. But definitely check out my episode when I upload it later on everything about the MCAT and how to prep for the most confounding admissions test ever. Yeah. And you're so right with the summer classes. I almost forgot I'd taken a stats class over the summer after junior year. So that really um, freed up my schedule. That was very helpful right after the study abroad when I took fewer credits than normal. So one thing I do want to point out, and this is something I didn't even realize until I started my application process. I had a lot of AP credits coming from high school But not all medical schools will take AP dual enrollment or IB credits. So when you're doing your application process, you may think, I really want to go to alpha school. But if they don't take credits you've taken from high school or before you went to college or finished your degree, you may need to check all of those requirements as well as the prerequisites. For example, and this in no way says anything bad about Kentucky, but the University of Kentucky Medical School I was interested in and didn't end up applying to because they did not take my AB credits. So keep a watch out and always, always refer to the school website for what's recommended or required for your prerequisites. 
Yes. And the MSAR is really helpful for that. But I think the final word should be on the school's website. So that's definitely free, accessible to everybody. Um, it just might be more complicated to go around finding all of the admissions websites for all the schools that you're interested in. So Lisa, you mentioned the MSAR. It's a weird acronym. What does it stand for? Medical School Admissions Requirements. That uh, basically compiles all of the different allopathic medical schools information and allows you to search based on different attributes of the school. Uh, Maybe you already have your MCAT score and you want to see which schools you're most competitive at. So you can rank them and search for the range that your MCAT falls into um, based on their class averages. And they update it every year. So you can see the most recent statistics. Uh, It's really cool. It actually helped me set a goal when I was studying. So what you want to look at on there is if you scroll down to prerequisite section, it'll tell you whether a class is strictly required or just recommended. And even if it says recommended, you usually should take it. Right. And that is a great resource. You do have to pay for it depending on the level of access you want to look at. I highly recommend, um, regardless of if you're currently in school or not, reach out to your undergraduate's pre-med advising office. Um, and they usually have a copy or have a subscription to it, and you may get access to that. That can help save a little bit of money. This process is not cheap. All right. So what about those finished with undergraduate or in graduate education? Right. So you want to make sure that um, your schedule lines up for the schools that you're applying to. For example, with the extra year that I took for my co-op, the pre-med advisor told me I should take the MCAT again because my MCAT score was too old from when I had taken it earlier. So I'm not sure about the classes themselves. Maybe Noelle can speak to this, but it needs to be recent enough that you still have the information in mind when you're entering medical school. Right. So once you're finished or if you're in gap years before applying to medical school or as a graduate student, make sure that none of your coursework has, quote, expired there may be some limits or actually new additions, which we've seen more recently with psych, social, and biochemistry in coursework requirements that you need to keep up with. Um, so not only do you need to watch that expiration date on your MCAT, you need to watch the expiration date on any classes. All right, Lisa. So we've covered a lot of things today and hopefully we'll get information and more as we keep going and this podcast grows. But in your experience, what is the most important thing we've covered today regarding prerequisites? I think the most important thing is to remember that you're learning this information for yourself um, to retain it for medical school. It's not just check a box on a list or use it for the MCAT and forget it. This is really information that you want to hold on to. So keep your study guides, keep your notes, whatever you use that's best for you to remember that information. Welcome to the break room. So as a part of each episode in the black box warning, I will be asking each of our guests a little bit more about who they are and what they do as regular people. Because while we are medical students, we're people first. So what is an interesting fact about yourself? One of the most fun things I did in college was being part of the Quidditch team. I was (laughs) vice president for two years. And three years ago, I co-chaired the Yule Ball that we had. Um, it was can confirm they were amazing parties, probably the best ones we had on campus. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Very high praise. 
So Quidditch and all kinds of outdoor activities, which was not the easiest in Cleveland weather. Yeah, snow Quidditch was something else. That was really fun. So what is your current favorite leisure time activity? Currently, I have to say baking. I've been making a lot of different uh, breads and cookies and other sweets <laughs> over the past couple of months. Um, also knitting, really enjoy knitting. I'm still working on this Ravenclaw scarf that I've been trying to finish for the past few years. But awesome artistic ability right there. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, at this point, I know that I prefer the smaller projects, make little stuffed animals and um, like just ear warmers and things because those get done really quickly. But it's nice to have kind of a background project going on. And then the quintessential for all medical students, what are your favorite study tunes? So when I've really got to slam out some work, I listen to these two albums by the band called Nero. And it's all like instrumental electronic music. So I can just really focus on my work. And it really like the music itself amps me up to get stuff done. So for any of our listeners who want to check this out for themselves, how do you spell the name of that band? Nero, N-E-R-O. So if anybody wants to check out some really great EDM music while they're studying, check out Nero. Well, thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate you joining us today and talking a little bit more about prerequisites for the medical school application. Thanks for In having me. In the future, me I will be bringing Lisa back and we'll talk a little bit more about applying for research schools. Um, but for now... Thank you all for listening today. Thanks for listening to our episode today from the Black Box Warning. I'd like to thank my editor, Valerie Blakely, for her work behind the scenes to make this podcast possible. Feel free to subscribe for updates or send me an email at theblackboxwarning at gmail.com. I'd love to receive questions, topic ideas, and constructive feedback as we build our content library. Also, feel free to share with me on how your own medical journey is faring. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and as is always recommended, listen to the Black Box Warning.